Well, decisions are a part of life. This morning I was uh, looking on LinkedIn at an article that uh, one of my friends posted up on LinkedIn, and he began his article by quoting uh, a leadership guy, maybe you've heard of him, Peter Drucker, and Peter Drucker said this, he said, making good decisions is important at every level. Making good decisions is important at every level. And of course, I didn't go on to read the article because I didn't have time to do so this morning, but that statement is a true statement. Decisions are a part of our life, and it is important at every level that we make good decisions. Uh, and we kind of know that. We kind of realize that. Most of the time, we think of making good decisions as those big decisions in our life, like graduating uh, high school, making sure you get all that stuff done, the decisions you've got to make of your time to get to there. We think about your decision of where you're going to go to college, if some of you are making those decisions now, or what your major is going to be, what you're going to focus on. We think about uh, who you're going today. We think about, are you going to get married? When are you going to get married? Who are you going to get married to? Uh, we think about decisions in college, about when I graduate, what am I going to do? Some of us in this room are making those kinds of decisions. And truly, it is important that when we face those big decisions in life, that we make good decisions. But it's also important that at other levels of our life and at other levels in an organization, which is most likely what Peter Drucker was referring to, but in our life, we make little decisions all the time. And those little decisions, as we make good decisions, they lead us to the bigger decisions and the ability to make good decisions there. So my question for you today is how do we, as Christians, make good decisions? We've all made some bad decisions. If you haven't made a bad decision, then you haven't made any. And that in and of itself was a decision, and it wasn't a good one. So we have all made bad decisions at one time or another in our life. But we know the importance of making good decisions. So how do we do that? I want us to turn to probably the most familiar passage in all the Bible to Christians about making decisions this morning. And I want us to take a fresh look at it. So open your Bible with me to the book of Proverbs and chapter 3. Now some of you are smiling because you knew that's exactly what I was talking about when I said the, the most famous uh, passage on this issue. But we're going to look at it this morning together and hopefully uh, in a fresh new light and try to understand how do these two verses, verses 5 and 6, that we quote so often when we're trying to make a decision or when we have a friend that's trying to make a decision, how can these verses help us to make good decisions in our daily life, whatever those decisions may be? So let's look to, at the two verses together. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways Acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. Now, those are two verses that I have known since I was probably in about fourth grade. They're verses that I memorized. They're verses I've quoted in my own life. They're verses that I have quoted to other people. 
And as I was moving along through life, and one time when I was a teenager, it dawned on me that I had been quoting these verses, but I never really stopped to think about what does this actually mean and how do I actually apply this in a way that will help me personally to make good decisions. In fact, usually when we quote these two verses, it's because we're stressed out about a decision and somehow we're hoping this will bring comfort to us or maybe someone we know is stressing out about a decision. So we say this and we just hope that it brings comfort to them. And certainly that last line of verse 6 does bring comfort, doesn't it? And he will direct your paths. That's a good, that's a good word. It doesn't say that, and maybe he will direct your paths. It doesn't say if he, if he likes you, he will direct your paths. It doesn't say that, you know what, sometimes he'll direct your paths. But it actually says that he, speaking of God, speaking of the Lord, of Yahweh is the word that we see here in verse 5. And so he says of Yahweh, that Yahweh, the God of the universe, he will direct your paths. And that can bring great, great comfort in our decision-making process. But too often I have found that we allow that to bring us comfort without even giving much thought to what is ahead of it. Because it isn't guaranteed that this will happen. There are some conditions that are put forth in these two verses. In fact, it, when it says, and he will direct your paths, that is conditional upon what he tells us to do and us obeying those commands in verses 5 and 6. And there are three of them, and they're very crucial for us to understand. Now, there are three things these two verses tell us that if we want the comfort of knowing that God is directing our paths, there are these three things that we must do. And the first one is, is simply stated and something we say, well, of course, I know that. But we really need to understand what he's saying, and that's this, that if you are going to make good decisions as a believer in Jesus Christ, you must trust the Lord completely. You must trust the Lord completely. He says in verse 5, trust in the Lord with a portion of your heart. He says, trust the Lord with 60% because that's a D. <laughs> I know some of you are taking Hebrew exams today and you'll be happy to get a D. Uh, but uh, but that's, not, that's not the way it works here, guys. That's not a passing grade. He doesn't say trust the Lord with 60% or 70% or 80% or 90% or even 99%. He says trust the Lord with all of your heart. In other words, to trust Him completely. Now, folks, this is contrary to our human nature. We want to trust mostly. We want to trust that He, it God, I, I'm trusting, but just in case, I kind of have my backup plan. Just in case, I, I'm going to keep one, I, I'm going to trust that you're going to catch me, but I'm going to keep one foot over here on the platform. I'm not going to trust you completely because, because, God, you just don't understand what it's like. And we struggle with this issue of completely trusting God with our decision. Listen, trust is the opposite of worry. Trust means that we have faith. 
And faith is the opposite of fear. I've seen so many people that have come to me as a pastor through the years and said, man, I'm struggling with this decision. I don't know what to do. And, and I'm really afraid I'm going to make the wrong, the, the wrong decision. And, and as I talk with them and as I ask questions and as I listen, what I've learned is that fear has completely immobilized them from making a, a decision. I had a guy call me one day when I was serving in Dallas, Texas. And he says, hey, I need to talk to you. And I said, okay. And he says, I'm really stuck. And I said, well, what's going on? He said, well, I got a big decision to make, and I really don't, don't know what to do about it. And I said, well, tell me about the decision. He said, well, our car's not doing well, and we need a new car. And so I went down, and I, I, looked, at, I looked at cars. I've looked at a lot of cars, and it has all come down to a blue car and a maroon car. And I really don't know which one I should buy. And, you know, I, I, I know that if I buy the wrong one, it could be a lemon, and, and I'll be stuck with that lemon, and I'll have a car payment on top of it. And he said, hey, and, and the car won't work, and it'll be terrible. And, and I really like the maroon one. But, but something just makes me wonder if it's a lemon, and maybe I ought to buy the blue one. So I've been praying. I've been saying, God, give me a verse. Give me a verse. And this morning I was reading, and, and I read a verse that had the word blue in it. And I think this is the car I should buy. Don't, don't you, Pastor? Don't you think that that verse, because it, it talked about the, the blue, and, and it was there, and I was asking God, God, show me which car. But I'm afraid that what if I'm wrong? What if I'm reading Scripture wrong? Well, you are reading Scripture wrong. <laughs> I, can, I, can, I didn't say that right then. I said it later. Uh, but uh, that was my first thought. Well, yeah, you got that right. You're reading Scripture wrong. But he was in so much fear that he had literally spent a week worrying over whether to buy the blue car or the maroon car. I finally said, well, I think you ought to buy the maroon car. He said, okay, Pastor, I'm going to go buy it. And then I started laughing, and I said, well, what would have you said if I would have said the blue car? And he said, well, I would have went and bought it. I, I trust you. And I said, well, you need to stop trusting me, and you need to start trusting the Lord. Listen, sometimes in little decisions and in big decisions, we worry so much, we fear so much of making the wrong decision that our faith is in us or our Lack of faith is because we're trusting ourselves and our ability to reason out what is the best decision here. And what he is emphasizing in these two verses is, no, don't trust yourself. Trust the Lord and trust him completely. Can I tell you what? We have such an amazing God that even when we make wrong decisions, he is able to take our mess-ups and turn them into something that matures us. He can take your mess-ups and use them to mature you. In fact, in Romans chapter 8, he tells us that all things work together for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. You need to learn to trust God completely. Trust Him that He will guide you. Now, that is the first step. You must trust Him completely if you're ever going to make wise decisions, good decisions. 
If you rely upon yourself, if you rely upon a mechanism that you put in place, I know people that, that, that have a 10-point process for making every decision from what they're going to eat to lunch to who they're going to marry. And they've got this process, and it is their process that they have intellectually reasoned out. I know other people who choose to make their decisions on their feelings, how I feel. The problem with making our, our decisions on our feelings is we can feel one way one minute and 10 minutes later feel the complete opposite direction. Just ask Johnny who asked me about the blue and red car. He had spent over a week feeling differently from one minute to the next about his decision. But instead of relying on our own intellect, our own emotion, even our own experience, we in reality should rely upon the Lord and Him alone, to trust Him completely. Trust that He will guide us if we seek Him and ask Him to do so. So if you're going to make good decisions, the first thing you must do is you must trust the Lord completely. Secondly, you must trust the Lord constantly or, or contrastingly, excuse me. You must trust Him contrastingly in a contrasting way. Look what he says at the bottom of the verse. Now, this is, this is a, a typical Hebrew parallelism. You have one statement and then a contrast under it, and that's what you have in this verse. So in contrast to trusting the Lord is he says, listen, don't lean on your own understanding. So in other words, if you're trusting in God, you're not trusting in yourself. Don't lean on your own understanding. Don't don't let that hold you up like when you're tired and you lean against the wall or a pillar or you have a cane or you have a, have a walker that you're leaning on and putting your weight upon. It says, listen, don't lean on your own understanding. Don't lean on your own ability. Don't lean on your own intellect, your own emotions, your own will. But in contrast to that, trust the Lord. So he's making this contrast here that we need to distinguish. Listen, folks. Hear this carefully. It is not your knowledge plus God. Never. It is never trust Jesus and yourself. It is always trust Jesus completely. Now, see, here's the problem. This requires humility that we don't like. We don't like to come to God and say, God, I just don't know. I, I can't figure this one out. I need you. I am trusting you to guide me and you alone. I'm not going to trust myself. I've shared with our, our students here before for our visitors today that one of my heroes in the faith is a George Mueller. And George Mueller used to say this about making decisions. He would say, I pray about a thing until I have no will. As long as I have a will and say, God, this is what I want you to do, I know I have not prayed it through. Because I have to, in a, in a humility way, in a humble way, I have to come to the Lord and set my own understanding aside. My own wants, my own desires, my own intellect, my own emotions. I have to set those aside and I have to come to God to, or keep praying until I can come to Him and say, Lord, I do not care which way I go. I just want to go in Your way. I want Your will more than I want my own. 
I no longer even have a will in this matter. I want to trust you and not lean even just one little pound of my body leaning on myself. I want to lean and rest completely upon you. And we see this demonstrated in the life of the Apostle Paul. In Acts chapter 16, I have often wondered if Paul had this passage in mind. He is just getting started on his second missionary journey, and he and Silas are, are on their way, and they have a plan, and they have a direction, and they begin on that plan, and they start out on the journey, and things are going well. And then they plan to go into Asia, which we would call Asia Minor or Turkey today, and they want to go into that area where Ephesus was and those kinds of things. And so they're planning to go there. And then it tells us in Acts chapter 16 and verse 6 that the Holy Spirit forbid them to go preach the gospel there. Now, folks, I don't know about you, but if I was Paul, I would have been thinking, how in the world would the Holy Spirit tell me not to go preach the gospel? That just doesn't make any sense. Now, I ha I, I've had this desire to go to Ephesus and preach the gospel there, and, and the Holy Spirit's telling me no. Now, listen, if he would have relied on his own understanding, he might have pressed on to Asia Minor. But the Holy Spirit forbid them. In fact, he said, no, not, not yet. Later in Paul's life, he did get to go to that region and had, a, had an amazing ministry at Ephesus and in that surrounding area. But right now, the Holy Spirit said, no. And so he said, okay, well, God don't want us to go there. We'll go to Bithynia. And again, the Holy Spirit said, no, you cannot go to Bithynia and preach the gospel. As far as we know, Biblically or historically, Paul never went to Bithynia. So it was more like he was told, no, not you. Historically, we do know that Peter went to Bithynia and he preached the gospel there. So Paul said, or first with Paul, it was no, not yet. And then it was no, not you. I'm going to send somebody else to do that. Well, again, if Paul would have been relying on his own understanding, he would have said, well, this is ridiculous. Because, because, of course, the gospel needs to go to the whole world. So I'm going to go ahead and go to Bithynia and preach the gospel there. You already told me not Asia, so I'm going to go there. But instead, Paul chose to not lean on his own understanding, but rather to trust the Lord completely in contrast to his own understanding. So what did he do? He said, guys, we're not going anywhere. We're going to stay right here until God shows us what to do. And in the middle of the night, he has a Macedonian call, a vision of a man in Macedonia saying, come over here and help us. And he goes to Macedonia immediately following the Lord's leading. And when he got there, they planted the church that became the special church for his life, the church of Philippi, that was his partner over and over and over again who gave to his ministry out of their own poverty so that the gospel could be extended. Paul would have missed completely that relationship with the church of Philippi if he would have leaned on his own understanding. Listen, you don't want to lean on your own understanding. At this point in my life, I can look back and I can see times in my life where I would have made a different decision, where I wanted to make a different decision. But I, I was forbidden by the Lord to do it and led in a different direction instead. And now looking back, I can see how that that was specifically ways 
that God intended to prepare me to launch Northeastern Baptist College. That if I would have pressed on in my own understanding, this would have never happened. We would not be here. But God, when we trust Him, leads our steps. If you want to make good decisions, you've got to trust the Lord completely. You have to trust the Lord contrastingly. Don't trust yourself, but trust Him completely. And finally, you need to trust the Lord for comprehension. Look what he says in verse 6. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And then we get that, that wonderful comforting promise, He will direct your paths. What does he mean when he says, in all your ways, acknowledge him? He's talking about our knowledge, our comprehension. In fact, the, the Hebrew word that is used here is the word yada. Some of you, whoops, I may have just uh, helped you on your test this afternoon. I don't know if that's on your quiz or, or test or not. But it, it is a knowledge that is an intimate knowledge. It's in the cow stem, and this is uh, imperfect. It's a continuous kind of action that you need to be doing. And he says you need to be knowing him, literally. It's translated here as acknowledge him. It literally means to know the Lord, to know God, to know Yahweh, to, to, to see where he's at in the midst of this. It is the idea of saying, okay, I got this decision. God, where are you? What is it you want me to do? Not what do I want to do? What makes me happy? That's the, that's the common statement today. Do whatever makes you happy. Well, if that'll make you happy, go ahead and do it. Listen, that is not the approach here. The approach is come saying, God, I want to know you. And I know that you, I understand, God, that you know everything. You know me intimately. You know the plans that you have for my life. You know the people that you want me to connect with. God, you know the, the purpose that you have for me. Father, you have known me from before I was born. You know all about me. And not only that, you know the result that would happen of any decision I make. So God, I am not relying on my knowledge. I want to know you and thereby know your will. And I want to comprehend this decision from your direction. When I was a teenager, um, I was about 17 years old, and I had a church ask me if I would come be their pastor. And um, they, they didn't realize I was 17. Uh, I actually uh, was there to preach. I'd been preaching for the church for a while. And uh, one Sunday, just between Sunday school and time for church to start, uh, three people from the pulpit committee came up to me, and they said, uh, can we see your driver's license? And you know what a 17-year-old thinks at that moment? What happened? Uh, did the police call and say I was speeding and they want my driver's license? I mean, what's going on? I don't know what's going on here. And I just kind of was dumbfounded. And I said, well, yeah, I guess. And so I reached in my wallet and pulled out my driver's license and handed it to this, this man that I had been working with to fill the pulpit. And he looked at it and he said, it's true. And, and he passed it around to everybody that was there. And they gave it back. And I said, what are you doing? And they said, well... Um, we had an argument about your age, and uh, uh, the director of missions for this area told us you were 17, and we didn't believe it. We had to see your driver's license. And I said, well, <laughs> that's interesting. And so they gave it back and never told me why, and I got, got home, and the next day 
the director of missions called me and says, I need to visit with you. And so we got together and he said, listen, this church wants to call you as pastor. And uh, I told them you were 17 and they didn't believe me. And I told them uh, that I didn't know what you'd do about school because that's two and a half hours away from where you go to school and uh, everything. But they still believe that they want to call you as pastor and you need to you need to pray about this and let them know if you're willing to be their pastor. They'll call you next week if you want to be their pastor. And I said, well, how'd you leave it with them? And he said, well, they they're just going to wait on you to tell them something. And I said, "Okay," And I was I didn't know what to do. And I wanted to be their pastor. And I was close enough, quite frankly, to being able to finish that any time I wanted to, I could finish my high school work and I could go ahead and make that move. And so I, uh, I, I really began to struggle. And I prayed over it and I'm like, God, I don't know what to do. I want to do this. But I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And I began to seek advice because the Bible says in a multitude of counselors there's safety. And I sought advice from a, a wide range of people that I believed in and and some of them told me one thing and some of them told me another, quite frankly. And I was re really confused. So finally, I decided I was going to go to a man I really respected. And that was my pastor. His name was Roy. And I went to Pastor Roy and uh, I asked him if I could talk to him. He said, sure. And so we sat down and he had a notepad and a pencil, paper, pencil and paper there. And uh, he said, uh, go ahead and tell me what's going on. And so I started telling him what's going on, and he's like doing something on the paper there, and I'm like, wow, he's, he's taking this serious. He's making, he's making notes. And uh, I'm thinking what someone else had told me to do, which was to draw a line in the middle of the paper and write, write pluses and minuses from this decision. And I said, that's probably what he's doing based on what I'm talking. So I just you know, kept asking questions, and I kept talking. And finally, we all finished. I got all finished up, and I said, so that's it. I don't have anything else to say. I just... I just don't know what to do. And Pastor Roy, in his wisdom, looked at me and said, Mark, you, you probably wonder what I was writing on the paper here. And I said, yeah. And he said, well, let me show you. And he turned it around, and he had drawn a picture of Mickey Mouse. <laughs> and I looked at him, and I said, that's cute. And he said, well, you probably are mad at me, thinking I wasn't paying any attention to what you were saying. I was just sitting here drawing Mickey Mouse. And I said, well, the thought did cross my mind. And he said, well, Mark, he said, honestly, whatever I think is no better than what Mickey Mouse thinks. He said, this is something you need to hear from God on. In fact, Mark, every decision you need to make, it's not your wisdom. It's not anybody else's wisdom. It's God's wisdom that you seek and that you need to know. I can't tell you what to do. I have opinions, and I can give them to you, but I prayed about it, and I'm not giving you my opinion. Maybe some year, many years down the road, I'll tell you. To this day, he's never told me what his opinion was, by the way. But he said it doesn't matter. What matters is that you trust in the Lord with all your heart. You don't lean on your own understanding or anybody else's. You seek Him in all your ways. You acknowledge Him. You seek to know God and what God wants you to do, and then you do it, no matter what anybody else says. Listen, acknowledge God, trust Him to give you the comprehension that you need to make the right decision. Trust the Lord completely. Trust Him contrastingly. Don't trust yourself at all. Don't lean at all on your own understanding. Trust Him 
for comprehension to know how to make the right decision. Ten years ago this month, God was working in my life to call me to start Northeastern Baptist College. All month long, I struggled with the decision. I really didn't struggle with knowing what God wanted. I was struggling with not wanting what God wanted. It wasn't that I didn't want it. I thought it would be really fun in some ways. I thought it would be neat to be a college president. But the fact of the matter is, is I knew it would be an impossible task without the hand of God. And it scared me to death. I came up with all kinds of reasons all month long. In fact, on this very day, 10 years ago, as God was convicting me on that day, I say, God, you got the wrong guy. But I'll help you. I'll help you find somebody to do this, God, but not me. So as the month wore on, I continued to give him one reason after another why it couldn't be me, but I would help him find someone. But listen, in the end, it came to this. It came down to this and this alone. Are you going to trust God? And if you are, then you must obey. It does not matter that you don't know how it's going to happen. It does not matter that you don't think you have the, the resources, and I didn't. Those of you that know the full story know I had nothing. Those of, it doesn't matter that you don't know where you're going to get all the professors. It doesn't matter that you don't know where you're going to put the school. None of that matters. What matters is, are you going to trust me and let me lead you step by step, decision by decision, every moment of every day? And if you will do that, then you will do what I'm asking you to do. Bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Listen, I don't know what decisions you're facing today. Maybe your decision is what you're going to eat for lunch. I don't know. But maybe you have major decisions in front of your life. Some of you are deciding what you're going to study and where you're going to go to college. Some of you are deciding if you're, when you're going to get married, who you're going to marry. Some of you are deciding what you're going to do when you graduate. And there's a host of other decisions along the way that you'll be deciding. But whatever it is, Peter Drucker's right. It is important that you make good decisions every, at every level. And the way you make good decisions is by trusting the Lord completely, not relying on your own intellect, emotion, or experience, but trust Him to give you comprehension, seeking His will. God doesn't is not in the business of hiding His will, but He promises you that if you will do those three things, He will direct your paths. So if you're here today and you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that I'm going to invite you in the quietness of this moment as the piano's playing, in the, just in your heart to turn to him and say, Lord, forgive me for when I leaned on my own understanding. Help me to trust you completely. Father, I want your will, not my own. 
I want to follow you. I, want, I trust you to give me comprehension for the decisions I face today, tomorrow, and for the rest of my life. And Lord, I will follow, whether it's easy or whether it's hard. If you'll show me what to do, what step to take, I'll do it. Listen, if that's your prayer today, He will direct you. That's your constant prayer. If you're constantly trusting Him and seeking Him, He will direct your paths. If you're here today and you're not sure that you have a relationship with God, then I want to invite you into this kind of relationship. A close, intimate walk with Christ on this earth where He will lead you in every decision that you need to make as you acknowledge Him. He's promised that to all of His children. He'll go before us. He'll be with us in the easy times and in the hard times, in the, in the joyous times and in the difficult trials. Whatever this life throws at you, He'll lead you and He'll be with you. His hand will be on you if you will enter a relationship with Him. Listen, we don't deserve a relationship with God. I don't. None of us do. We can't earn it because we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But God loves you, and He sent His Son Jesus to this earth. And Jesus was tempted like you and I are, but he, he never sinned because He's God's Son. And He went to the cross, and the Bible tells us that, that He took upon Himself your sin and mine. In fact, it says that the Father placed on Him the sin of us all. Jesus took the punishment. He suffered the wrath of God upon your sin and my sin. He died in your place. And he rose again, defeating sin and death in the grave. And today, He offers you forgiveness of sin. He offers you a real relationship with the Father who will love you and guide you and be with you in every decision you make. And He offers you the assurance of a home in heaven in the future. If you will turn from your sin and trust Him. And if you've never done that, I want to invite you to right now, right there where you're at. I want to invite you just to turn to Him and say, Lord, I believe that Jesus died for me. And I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I, I cannot earn a relationship with you. But I believe Jesus took my sins for me and He rose again. And Jesus, right now, I turn from my sin and I trust you. I ask you to be my Lord. I ask you to be my Savior. I ask you to guide my decisions every day of my life. Listen, if you're here today and you've turned to Him for the very first time, you've trusted Him, I'd like to know it. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, but I'd like to know and just be able to pray with you. And if you've trusted Him for the first time today, would you just put your hand up and right back down? Anybody at all? And those of us that are here that have trusted Christ for salvation, let's trust Him for our decisions every moment of every day. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the way it teaches us and instructs us. We thank you for the comfort it gives. And so, Father, as we trust you completely, as we contrast that by not trusting ourselves at all, and Father, as we trust you to give us comprehension for the decisions we must make. Father, you will direct our paths, and we praise you for it. 
And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.